By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, part of the Cannabis Life Experience, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Join us on this journey and adventure with the wonderful plant. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Welcome to episode 86 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. This is hour number one. Hour number two will come out Wednesday morning at 4.20 a.m. My name is Dean Millard, and yes, on this show, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. Uh, We do enjoy um, the psychoactive effects uh, that you get from THC and the entourage effect when it comes to cannabis, but there are many, many things that this plant can benefit people from for sure. And there is one way that we like to kick things off on uh, this program, and that's by finding out just what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boom boom, don't it? This is great. This is the bee's knees. So when I ask you what's your groove, I want to know that while you're listening to this show, if you're grooving to something cannabis-wise, could be just some relaxing CBD that you use on a daily basis. Maybe it's a joint, a bong. Who knows? Uh, you got a pipe going, an edible, a drink. There's so many different ways uh, to use the wonderful plant. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm having a, uh, I'm having a three-way this uh, this afternoon uh, as I record this. I've got uh, a combination of a little spinach, diesel, one gram joint. I also grabbed the uh, original stash, stash click. That's on there. And uh, just some uh, keef that I have collected. So this is what it looks like. Joint, keef, and uh, some of the OS click. Blue Dream it is, by the way. Um, I was I grabbed this at Plant Life when I was picking up what we're going to be doing on Know Your Buds. Little queen of buds. Uh, going tomorrow, I know your buds. Uh, the blue topaz, some slurricane in there, I am told. So this is what I'm going to be grooving with. Uh, so without further ado and without lighting the microphone on fire again, as uh, we did that one time uh, during Know Your Buds, and just when we were getting the cameras rolling, but it didn't catch it. But let me get my groove on. Now, if you're if you're very new to cannabis, do not try this at home. Now, this is going to be a very very potent um, joint, even for somebody who's pretty experienced like me. I'll just have a couple of hits while I'm doing this show, and I'll finish the rest later on. 
it's going to be fun. I will uh, report back later on uh, Twitter or Instagram about uh, how this joint went. But yeah, okay. Having said that, now that I have my groove on, uh, let's find out just what is coming down the hash pipe on this episode. David Wiley of the OZ will be by with uh, This Week in Cannabis News, and we'll talk about the uh, top stories in the cannabis space. Mexico dancing with legalization once again. Cure Relief is going global. There's pushback on the uh, tax system in the uh, Canadian cannabis uh, uh, LP and, and retail side. And also, pot pardons have become very slow, and there's a few reasons why. Malka LaBelle will be by with the, green, uh, with the business of cannabis. She is, of course, with the Green Generation Co., and we're talking about packaging and labeling. What's wrong with it and who's doing it right? Our cannabis question is about athletics. Our cannabis character is from the movie Kid Cannabis. Not sure, you maybe haven't even heard of it. And our weed word of the day is going to be about joints and what happens when you smoke too much weed. We'll also tell you about the Weed Weekly, where we can uh, uh, give away a prize every Friday uh, with the Weed Weekly that comes right into your inbox. And, uh, by the way, we've changed things a little bit. Just for responding for anything on the show, you're going to go into the prize package uh uh, a list that goes into, or a hat rather, where we draw a name out uh, because we've been getting a lot of responses for different things. So anything you respond to us on this program is going to get you into the prize package uh, hat, the draw that we do. You can head us up on Twitter at the Cannabis 101. You can also get us on Instagram and Facebook at the Cannabis 101 podcast. And you can email me as well, Cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com if you would like to remain anonymous you can certainly do that all right let's get things going now with the cannabis question it's prize time chime in on the cannabis question and you could win a cannabis 101 podcast prize pack hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go! So the cannabis question this week is, do you combine athletics with cannabis? Uh, this could be uh, before, during, or after. I love uh, using cannabis when I go skiing, whether it's uh, cross-country or, or downhill. Haven't done either for uh, quite a while, uh, but when I used to, to ski regularly downhill, uh, I would always uh, love to combine cannabis and music too. Uh, one year, bud, you want to be able to hear if uh, there's, say, a bear chasing you on a ski hill. We just watched, me and my wife watched this video today of, I think it was like an Eastern European country where this grizzly bear was running up the hill uh, after uh, these people. It was quite funny, so... Might not be the best time to have a heavy sativa if a grizzly bear is chasing you. You might get even more paranoid. But, you know, some people use cannabis uh, as uh, uh, post-athleticism, uh, uh, athletics rather, you know, injury recovery, things like that. So so let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at the Cannabis or at Cannabis 101 on Instagram and Facebook, the Cannabis 101 podcast and uh, Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. And you can email and you can remain anonymous uh, so yeah lots of people are using um, cannabis pre during or post 
of athleticism. I think it's just the beginning. We're going to see a lot more, a lot more athletes, and and you know it's going to take one big mainstream athlete to come out publicly and you know the the tide, whether it's CBD or some of the other uh, cannabinoids that we have yet to discover. So very cool stuff. We're going to get to David Wiley and Malcolm LaBelle in just a little bit. They're two great partners on this show. They support us. Uh, they promote us. They contribute. Uh, and so do uh, our great friends at Stonesmiths, the makers of The Slash. The spring air time is coming here in the Edmonton area, but I tell you, when it was 25, 30 below, that thing worked like a charm because the company is from Edmonton. They know how cold it can get. They have a battery built to outlast winter. And, of course, the coolest feature about this sort of thing is just this little built-in loader. Scoop up your concentrate, throw it in there, boom, away you go. It is so great. Uh, you can either fire away on your own or they have a 12-second uh, auto-fire mode. They also have a new chamber coming out. You're going to get bigger smoke or bigger uh, clouds, rather. Not smoke because it's vaping. And you're also going to have your things heat up even faster. And it only takes four seconds to heat that up. So check them out. If you uh, are interested in grabbing one, you can find them online at stonesmiths.ca. I know Malka LaBelle is going to tell us about uh, the slash that she picked up recently. If you're a retail store, you definitely want to get this in your location. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Our weekly visit uh, to the wonderful Okanagan Valley as we bring in David Wiley from this or from the OZ for This Week in Cannabis News. And you see the beautiful pictures there. You can check out the website at okanaganz.com. David, my friend, how are you on this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. It's business on top with the collared shirt and track pants below. <laughs> so you caught me on a good day where I'm wearing pants. So that's, uh, you know, thank goodness yeah. for that. Exactly. I, th- listen, I think you? a lot of, I, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm not wearing pants. I'm wearing shorts. I wear shorts basically year round, uh, not outside all the time in my climate, but inside uh, shorts and, uh, and some inside uh, casual, comfortable shoes. So uh, I too am uh, kind of casual on the top and very, uh, very, very casual on the, uh, on the bottom, but that's life these days. Lots of people are doing that. We're you know, lots of people are still working from home. And I think, you know, David, we were having a kind of discussion before we got going. I think a lot of people are realizing some of the benefits of working from home and might look to continue this post pandemic. I hope it's something that catches on. I mean, it makes so much sense on so many different levels, particularly uh, being able to be casual below the camera line. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, let's dive into this uh, first story. We're going to take a bit of a a trip uh, around the globe and then come back home, and we're going to start in Mexico with their, I call it on-again, off-again legalization because we've uh, you know heard for a long time they're going to legalize, and then uh, pandemic, uh, that pushed things back, and then they decided to push things back for other reasons, but now it sounds like uh, it certainly got the votes, and it's, uh, it's a go in Mexico, as they might say. Oh, just about. Yeah, it's as close to green lit as it comes at this point. Um, Big step closer to legalizing recreational cannabis in Mexico. Their lower house there, the Chamber of Deputies, voted 316 to 129 in favor of a bill. Um, So Mexico could become the world's largest cannabis market. Uh, Interestingly, from a global perspective, that means that the U.S. would be sandwiched between two legal countries, Canada and Mexico. 
It's been over two years since the Mexican Supreme Court ruled that the country's ban on recreational marijuana was unconstitutional. Uh, the New York Times says that this measure is expected to sail through the Senate uh, before being sent to Mexico's president for final assent, and he's signaled his support for legalization. Well, it's not yet passed. Uh, the measure in its current form would allow adults to use cannabis um, with a permit. They could grow a small number of cannabis plants at home, and it grants licenses for producers, um, both small farmers and commercial growers, to uh, to grow for the industry. So, yeah, uh, moving forward in Mexico. Yeah, and you know it's it's kind of interesting um, that uh, the John Walsh, the director of drug policy for the Washington office on uh, Latin America, USC advocacy group, saying you know North America is heading towards legalization. You got Canada, as you said, uh, you know Mexico sandwiched around it. The U.S. Um, um, I think there's a you know less than 15 states that don't have some form of. Uh, legalization medically or, or recreationally. So uh, this is a big step helping the uh, kind of the, the, the global step forward and, and pushing the U.S. towards it. And I also found it really interesting, David, uh, that, you know, the, the one comment in the story I found interesting was that, you know, when it comes to the cartels, marijuana is such a small part, if if at all, for for some of them, they're they're you know they're looking at unfortunately uh, opiates and and you know the cocaine industry and things like that. So, th- you know the the kind of the you know car- the, the cartels in Mexico are legendary. We know that, but they're not really focused on marijuana. So this shouldn't impact it one way or the other. I don't think. Yeah, that's that's what some of the critics say. You know, the the idea that this was going to have an impact on the cartels was part of the reasoning why Mexico uh, is going down this road. Um, one of the things that surprised me actually is that nearly two thirds of people in Mexico oppose legalization um, yeah. through recent polling, and that was that was surprising for me. Often, it's uh, well in the cases that we've seen, uh, it gets pushed forward by people who, um, you know, want to see this happen. Um, and it seems kind of uh, th- that Mexico's bucking that trend. Yeah, the one thing that uh, people brought up is, you know, th- there's there's been a lot of people growing marijuana in Mexico. Farmers have grown it, but they would get involved in warring conflicts and drug trafficking. Well, now this is legal. And the bill mandates that small farmers and indigenous people give priority in licensing, but stipulates that only that these vulnerable groups can be granted more than one license. So they are looking at the people that have, have unfortunately been you know, caught up in the middle of this for a long time to allow them to maybe be able to make a profit and a living off of this. Yeah, definitely. And it's it is going to be interesting to see how this shakes out internationally. Um, You know, I can name different cannabis companies around the world, but I honestly I can't name a single one that's out of Mexico. So I'm sure that we'll see that change over the next year. Yeah, that's a that's a a really, really good point, actually, is that uh, um, it it could be the biggest market with a lot of people really getting involved in legalization. And and obviously, you know, the tourism industry is going to benefit, you know, the benefit from this because there are people like myself that when I do get to travel again, I'm going to be traveling to cannabis friendly states Mm -hmm. in the U.S. or provinces, obviously in Canada, we're we're all legalized here, but different countries, um, you know, I'm going to be over the next little while choosing my travel plans based on cannabis because, 
it's it's an important part of my life. So we'll see how that impacts the uh, the tourism industry in Mexico. Okay, let's get on to another global story, and this one involving uh, Curaleaf as they uh, dive into the global cannabis market. Curaleaf is the biggest cannabis company in the U.S. as far as footprint goes. Um, you know, cop- companies are jockeying right now for position in developing international markets. And Curaleaf Holdings, uh, it's actually the biggest cannabis company in the world even, has made a huge move in the European cannabis market. Um, the company's agreed to buy EMAC Life Sciences for about $285 million. And that gives Curaleaf an entrance into uh, Europe's growing cannabis market out there. Uh, EMAC is the largest cannabis company in Europe, again, by footprint. And in an interview with Bloomberg, Emacs CEO Antonio Costanzo called the deal a game-changing combination with the two companies coming together. Uh, a lot of different companies now are eyeing the massive European market with that potential shift right now of their <clears throat> medical industry into a recreational one. Now, this uh, this particular deal's currency is Curaleaf shares and cash. So um, we're going to be seeing uh, some developments in Europe. Uh, the Netherlands and Switzerland are expected to implement recreational programs by the end of the year. Um, so lots of change there on the horizon. And, uh, you know, U.S. companies have mostly been focused on North America, uh, but uh, are definitely switching their focus uh, now to compete with um, other Canadian companies overseas. Yeah, and, and that's so interesting is that, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, Canadian companies that have, uh, you know, invested in U.S. companies and purchased and, you know, mergers and acquisitions and things like that. And that we've been so focused a lot of the things on, on the U.S. because they are such a trendsetter. But again, we talked about Mexico, Canada sandwiching the U.S. That puts pressure on them. A global cannabis market really puts pressure. You know, companies uh, going in the legalization route in Europe really, really forces, uh, you know, the, the U.S. to look a lot harder at uh, federally legalizing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think that there's... Um much question that that's on the agenda. Um, But the more pressure for a speedier entry for legalization across the US, um, you know, could have an impact. Yeah, Uh, it's uh, the global market is changing so much. And you can see that if you're looking at news releases for earnings reports for different Canadian companies, uh, a lot of a lot of them, medium sized, large ones, uh, do have a focus on some global growth. And uh, we're also going to be seeing more and more companies buying up the big players, buying the small players for those um, different tickets to different countries. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, t- expanding into the uh, the Middle East and, and Africa, um, you know, they're talking about countries like Poland, Ukraine, South Africa. There's there's rumors of Egypt, according uh, to this article. So certainly, um, you know, the push is on. Now, now we, we say, country, you know, lots of countries could be looking at things and, and it never does happen. And, you know, whether they do it to... Uh, uh, to, you know, to curry favor with somebody and the political side and never happens, who knows? But the, the fact that people are talking about this means that that wheel of cannabis is continuing to turn uh, globally. And, and that, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the best thing ever. So, uh, and you know what? We should be proud as, as a cunt, as a country that, that we are playing a role in this as, you know, other than Uruguay, we were the first, uh, was it the first, uh, G7 country, uh, to, to legalize yeah. uh, fully. So, you know, that's, that's something that we should be proud of because other countries are going to be looking at our blueprint. 
But our blueprint isn't particularly perfect either, David, and a lot of countries are going to make changes. And one of the things about our legalization uh, situation and and the process is the taxes. We all knew that the government was going to tax and, and get their piece of the pie because that, that, that was never going to be a question. But now people are saying, do they really have to be that high? I mean, like, do they really, like here in Alberta, we have massive, massive excise taxes. So there is some pushback now against the tax system in the cannabis industry. Some really interesting points brought up by stratcan.com. Um, their question is, is Canada's method for taxing cannabis flower broken? Um, got a hold of Cantalus Lab CEO Dan Sutton, who thinks so. Basically, here's how it works in Canada. A cannabis is taxed at 10% of the dried flower selling price uh, or $1 per gram. So whichever is higher. About 25% of this revenue goes to the federal government. 75% goes to a provincial or territorial government. Now, Sutton says that if cannabis were selling at over $10 a gram, then the percentage formula would kick in. But right now paying, um, you know, a dollar in tax on, say, a $3.50 or a $4 wholesale gram uh, is quite a big piece of that pie. Now, the intention of this was to prevent a phenomenon where Canada hits a dollar a gram. And that happened in Oregon in the fear that... Uh, it would encourage consumption by young people because there would be such a, uh, a large amount of excess cannabis on the market. Now, the, the tax structure doesn't just impact companies. It Im- impacts us as cannabis enthusiasts because we're paying essentially tax on tax and less of our money goes toward buying the actual consumer good. Uh, and as flowers marked up, it's taxed again, right, through its journey. So tax and tax and tax along the way. Uh, Sutton says the system overall benefits big producers uh, who can actually take the hit on their end, but it's small growers that suffer. So it's uh, it's a really interesting conundrum. And uh, I know that there's the review process that's underway right now on uh, cannabis legislation, different aspects of it. Uh, I'm sure that this is something that's going to get looked at. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, they, they also discuss in this piece about uh, the, the medical patient isn't exempt from these taxes as well. And a specific amount of excise tax is invisible to the patient is the quote from uh, Kelly Seagram, uh, the new business manager at Shelter Cannabis. And that's I think that's concerning as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the medical system is broken. And we've talked about that. And now you're just uh, adding a further cost onto a system um, that just doesn't work well for the patient. Yeah, it, 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 you're you're right. The, the you know so much focus and you know rightfully so has gone towards legalization of recreational cannabis, and and I'm very very glad for that. But um, you know we do need to look at what the medical cannabis system has become, and uh, you know realize that this is medicine for patients, and and that should be a priority. You know we're we're still working towards fixing the recreational side. But we've kind of forgotten about, you know, the, the medical side. You know, we, we, were, we had to do so much dusting, we forgot about the vacuuming or whatever, right? Like, there's got to be a, a – we've got to have a balance because the medical side – is the is you know they, they were the kind of impetus and the real push you know this you know a big push I should say towards getting legalization going and things like that so we can't forget about the medical side and we can't forget David about the people that are in jail that are behind bars because of pot and the process has been a slow one so far fewer than 400 people 
have been pardoned for prohibition era cannabis crimes, uh, which seems remarkably low. That's been since uh, about 20 months now that the federal government's unveiled its pot pardon program for possession. Say that three times fast. <laughs> um, the, now, the Parole Board of Canada tells CTV that uh, as of March 1st, yeah, officials have granted 395 pardons. Another 251 have actually been rejected due to ineligibility or incompleteness. Um, you know, having a criminal record can impact travel, uh, volunteer and employment opportunities, and there's also potential for family law impacts. So this isn't just a small deal of, you know, having a, had a, a gram on you in the past. Uh, this can impact your moves moving forward. Now, lawyer Paul Lewin says that part of the reason for the small numbers is that the program just doesn't apply to as many Canadians as was originally thought. And he said that the initial number of 250,000 of these records was cited, which is likely too high, he says. Um, most possession convictions are from the 90s or before, so uh, you, there haven't been too many recent prosecutions. Personally, I was really surprised to find out that in 2017, 2018, before these free pardons, that 935 people were pardoned for breaking the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. Um, that's the act that cannabis possession offenses fell under since the mid-90s. And another over 1,000 people, 1,040 people were pardoned for breaking the even earlier Narcotic Control Act. So we're actually seeing fewer people who are accessing this program, even though some of the barriers have been removed. Yeah. And, and some of those reasons are because the process is, uh, you know, sometimes uh, there, there's, there's definitely a fee. I think it's like, uh, you know, starts at 600 and some dollars that you have to, to get the process. You have to go find these documents. Sometimes they're in other cities and, uh, it's, it's not an easy process for people, especially during these times with, with COVID. So maybe there's, you know, maybe a, a reason for a bit of a slowdown. I'm not sure, but the, the process isn't terribly easy. And, and also you mentioned it. Some of these, these things are from the eighties and nineties. And some of those people are not around anymore, unfortunately. And, and that's a reason why, you know, those, uh, you know, records haven't been expunged or, or whatever the term might be. So there, there's a number of reasons, but the entire process, uh, from, you know, what the lawyers in this article are, are talking about is very, 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 uh, detailed and a tough process to do for some people. It's still prohibitive. Even you have to go uh, through a fingerprinting process. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there were arguments at the beginning that continue to this day that uh, pardons are not the way to go, but rather expungement is the way to do it. Um, so basically, you wouldn't have to go through any process or application to do it. it your, your record would just be removed. So I, I still think that that's the way to go. Um, the federal government says that it's just too difficult. So that's the challenge you going through and uh, going through all the different documents and double checking to see that you've got the right offenses. Um, and like you mentioned, accessing those original court documents, because it's just not clear whether it's a cannabis possession or cocaine possession or MDMA possession. They don't know it wasn't spelled out in these in, in you know, just in the, the overall act in charge. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know as as we said at uh, at different times with certain things in the legalization process, the government of Canada did the bare minimum, if that. So it's you know it's legal, but it's incredibly hard to uh, succeed when there are so many regulations of what you can do and can't do. But it is a process; it is still unfolding, and hopefully. Uh, the process will get easier and, um, yeah. you know, faster uh, for, for, for some people, for sure. So, David, as usual, another excellent episode of This Week in Cannabis News. And people can find an ounce of info at okanaganz.com. And I'm sure you guys are getting closer to this picture that's on the screen right now, weather-wise, out there. <laughs> oh, I hope so. It takes a little bit of time for everything to green up, but the sunshine is out. Awesome. Thanks so much, David. We'll chat next week. Good to talk to you, Dean. artist my dead dog and of course a big thanks to david wiley from the oz uh, for joining us every week check them out online at okanaganz.com or on twitter at okanaganz and on that website you can get access to the oz magazine of which i was very honored uh, to write an article about athletics and cannabis well whenever we can have the cannabis and hemp expo we'll be there on location broadcasting episodes unfortunately it was supposed to take place this april that has been postponed you can keep up to date with the expo and when it's happening and what's going on at www.cannabishempexpo.com and as mentioned the cannabis 101 podcast will be there we'll be on location and we will be recording episodes whenever that event takes place. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for cannabis characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. All right, on Cannabis Characters, uh, we like to uh, celebrate, um, you know, those characters that have carried on the genre, uh, whether it be comedy, um, you know, and there's some, some other great movies that just have cannabis involved that we'll get to. We focus so much on uh, the comedies, but this is a, a movie that I stumbled on recently. Um, I, I was, I don't know, I can't, I was watching a Christian Slater Western, and there was a guy in it that I looked up that looked familiar. And lo and behold, he was in this movie, Kid Cannabis. And I was like, oh, I've never even heard of this uh, Kid Cannabis before. So anyway, checked it out, watched it, and it was uh, it was quite interesting. It's based on a true story. 
And as a lot of things, uh, the movie embellishes or changes things. Um, the movie is is based on a true story, but it's kind of off of um, the. Uh, there's an article in the Rolling in the Rolling Stone magazine, and you know there's there's some major differences. Um, the, in the movie, the the one guy has moved this there from Boston, but in the actual article of Rolling Stone, and apparently in real life, uh, he did not. And, and that guy has unfortunately passed away. It was uh, Topher Clark, who was one of the guys who kind of brains, uh, you know, came up with this idea, the brainchild of him and the main guy, Nate Norman. So the, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, the the place takes place, or the movie takes place in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and uh, Nelson, B.C., basically. And it's about, uh, you know, smuggling cannabis across the border and selling it very, very cheaply. Obviously, this is pre uh, legalization. And so the guy that I'm focusing on this movie, though, um, is a guy named uh, John Graffard, who's played by John C. McGinley in uh, Kid Cannabis. And it's and it's interesting because I read about this guy, and, and apparently he's now making uh, wine or maybe into real estate. I'm not really sure. Um, so it's tough to kind of figure out if they portrayed him in the movie correct or not without really knowing about him. If, if anybody out there in the cannabis uh, world or space uh, you know, knows of him and I'm portraying him incorrectly, I apologize, but I'm just going based off the movie. And uh, he was a very detailed cannabis guy. And, and it, there's, there's, there's one really hilarious scene in the movie with a cop. Um, well, there's several cops, but one in particular. So I, I would check it out. I watched it on uh, Amazon Prime. But here's a little bit of uh, John Graffard, uh, played by John C. McGinley, uh, showing off his, uh, I guess you'd say, kind of his uh, prize collection of cannabis. I have been selecting indica mothers and crossbreeding them with mostly indica male plants. And this, this is my masterpiece. It took me almost 20 years to develop this strain. The homozygous dominant is what gets the great bud color. This Dergamata, she's a hybrid of two different chive strains. I got one from a U.S. government laboratory. I got thick stem, will you? Short inner lobes, long pointy fingers, strong veins, tight bud clusters. I love the frosty look, don't you? Looks amazing. Go ahead, take a big smell. Enormously high THC. Very sweet, hashy taste. And it finishes with a Christmas cake mix of tropical fruity flavors. Manatuska Thunderfuck and Silver Kush. See, can't even carry this bud's jockstrap. It's two different universes. They're not even in the fucking same reality. Look at me. The shit that we grow here is fucking insane. Well, it certainly sounds insane. I do not have enough growing experience to know if all of that stuff is actually true or makes sense. The worst thing any movie can do is get the details wrong because then the actual diehards are going to be like, yeah, no. Case in point. I love the movie Youngblood. Me and my buddies have watched it over and over and over again. I rented it so many times from Hurl's Food Mart in Brandon, Manitoba in the East End as a kid that I probably wore out the tape for them. I love that movie because it's so terribly bad. Uh, so it's, you know, one of those things that you, you love it because it's so bad. I mean, they use the term, I made 92 goals in that movie. Nobody does that in hockey. Some of the choreography in that movie is just awful. So I hope that they got this right because the, the pure, the purest, the real growers, 
like uh, Parkland Flower, who we had on last week, might be cringing uh, at some of that. But it's very cool. It's a it's a cool, interesting movie. Uh, I, I you know, it's based on a true story. Read about it. Check it out. And uh, I thought John C. McGinley's performance in it was really, really good because he he was certainly uh, he's certainly passionate about it uh, when it came to that uh, cannabis in that clip. So there it is. John Graffard, played by John C. McGinley in Kid Cannabis as our cannabis character today. This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Time to dive into the world of the business of cannabis with Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. And you can find out how Malka can help you uh, by heading to www.greengencompany.com. As I bring in my good friend Malka LaBelle, how are things going with you right now, Malka? Good. Spring is in the air. I think it's we're allowed to say that now. It's uh, it was 18 degrees on the weekend, which was great. No complaints. Uh, <laughs> indeed, it's uh, it's it's bright and sunny and melting on one side of my building. The other side, it's still full of snow because that's the part that doesn't get enough sun. But we do know that it is on the way. And, and you know, the, the, I was saying to, to a friend the other day is that you know whatever snow we get now, we know it's not sticking around, so we can be yeah, yeah. pretty confident that uh, you know we can we can say now that uh, certainly is uh, spring is is on the way. And uh, people a lot of times uh, in spring refer to that spring cleaning and that means throwing a bunch of stuff out and it kind of leads us to what we're talking about today uh packaging and particularly in the lead here we're talking about the label and packaging yes and i i i have to say my favorite i created my own uh, quote around this um, you know, don't give me any labels. My last name is already LaBelle. So I have enough <laughs> labels in my own name to, uh, to to own that. So what I mean by this is, you know, we, we're in the business of, the, of figuring out what should a cannabis label and packaging should be. And we know that what it is right now is not good. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be at the table with the people at the international level, creating standards around this for international purposes and have the ability to sort of have some foresight into what it should be. Um, so that's what I wanted to sort of clarify, like what is a label and packaging and what purpose does it hold both for cannabis and in general and sort of remind people, like let's go back to some basics here for a second and not get caught up on the stigma and, po and pol politicizing a label. So really a label has sort of three basic functions or four, I guess. A label is communication. It's a communication tool in the absence of people uh, or other things uh, between the pr producer of a product all the way to its end user. Um, it's meant to inform consumers around the content of inside the packaging and instructions for its proper use. It's also meant to protect users or non-users from unintended harm, like accidentally mixing it with things or adding heat or take flame that could make it combust, for example. 
And it's also meant to protect the product for purpose of transport and storage. So keeping it at the right temperature, humidity level, uh, dryness, lack of dryness, wetness, whatever it's supposed to be, the package is meant to create that barrier to keep it in the, in the state that it's meant to be in. Now, I would say that the cannabis industry so far has not gotten this right, but they started with something which is better than not having it at all. Um, and this is really where I'm bringing the lens of, well, packaging in general is like, it's almost a trillion dollar uh, US dollar uh, worldwide uh, industry wow. uh, and to, as, as far as 2019. And we know it's growing substantially, particularly in the sustainable packaging world. And, you know, we've talked about this already, and it's kind of a big trend is sustainable packaging or sustainable things in general. And really what the cannabis industry has done is gone in the opposite direction and made it as least sustainable as possible by adding as much more plastic into the mix than you really need. But, you know, we started with something and we can always, there's always room for improvement. And that's essentially uh, the lack of sustainable packaging has been like the number one reason, at least anecdotally, that I've heard from people that choose to not purchase cannabis from legal sources, even if it's just as convenient or it's everywhere, is that the packaging is an eyesore and a like a heart sore. Like it really bothers people that there's so much of this over packaging in the, in the legal cannabis industry. And, and it is a barrier to entry. Um, so that's sort of what I wanted to draw vision or slide, eyesight around is that, you know, too much packaging uh, in the sense of what we've got here is literally overkill. Um, sometimes, especially if the packaging is worth more than what's inside of it. <laughs> I think that's one of the common things that people complain about is like, you know, why do we need so, not necessarily cannabis, but in general, like if the value of the packaging around it is more than what the contents are inside, is it really fulfilling its purpose um, in some ways? And, you know, the excess, excess waste or need to have it recycled or collected or, you know, all these sort of additional steps that have been brought into this fold where they didn't exist before. Um, and really, it prohibits the consumer from actually using the product in some cases. So there's, I've actually seen some really good TikToks on this, where people like for the standard people like just can't even open the uh, security or the you know tamper-proof packaging on their cannabis, and they're like, and so I've had this problem myself, and I've actually in several very moment like monumental situations where I was like in front of the manufacturer at Lyft I'm like I cannot open your packaging <laughs> like in front of them like it was so I made a big deal of it because I'm like you're ruining this for people like people want to use the products inside that are not made by you but in this case it was a it was a, a supplier out of the U.S. that had a really cool packaging but I couldn't open it. And it wasn't just me, like nobody could open it. So that's been kind of a big boon, particularly for the medical side. You know, we talk about a lot of people that have mobility or accessibility or hand, hand and motor coordination, and they're using cannabis to address that problem. But if they can't get into the package, it's sort of like, what's the point, you know? So the really here, I really want to clarify what I think is what should be on the packaging labels. And, and that's something I've written about extensively. And I have this, I wrote this sort of, you know, in blue of the yellow box, um, I wrote a different version of what should be in this. Would you like to hear it, Dean? Sure, go ahead. So warning, cannabis products interact with every body differently. The THC percentage is only one indication of how you may react to this product. So best to go home, chill, 
Try this product with an open mind, an open heart, and no prejudice to the company, the brand, or the store that sold it to you. They are working very hard with very strict, sometimes nonsensical regulations that are constantly changing. Don't let your children try it unless they are the legal age allowed in the province they are in at the time of consumption, because that's different in different places, um, or over the age of 25, if that's just a safer bet. And about this product, um, for best results, record your thoughts and feelings uh, after trying this product in a journal or a logbook or on an app. There, we, we want to try and collect some data from you to help brands and government put more information on the label that will better serve you. Please enjoy responsibly. Hashtag Green Generation. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's certainly a more, um, I, I want to say, kind of an inviting uh, label uh, as far as a more relaxed label. Um, which I think, uh, you know, cannabis can be a lot of different things for, for different people. Um, I find it strange though, that some, that packaging would be something that uh, would keep, actually keep somebody away that much, not price, not product, but, but actually packaging. So I, I kind of think the people, I don't know, listen, I agree. The packaging, uh, at the beginning was not good. It has gotten a lot better. A lot of companies have gotten a lot smaller. We're seeing a lot of companies. Um, you know, Stewart Farms has uh, totally biodegradable packaging. And the other thing is, you know, there's some glass options out there, a lot of plastic, but that plastic can be recycled. It's not like it's impossible. So if, if you really have a problem with the packaging, buy it and then make sure it's recycled. I just, I have a hard time believing the packaging is actually keeping that many people away. I understand price and I understand some people think product, but the packaging yeah. with a little bit of work on the consumer side can be dealt with. It's got to get smaller. Yeah. And it has gotten smaller, but that, that, yes. that seems like a weird thing to keep somebody away from the, the legal market. Let's just put it this way. It's not the consumer side of things. It's the producer side of things. It's, you know how you talk about your, your bud sometimes is dry inside the package after mm. you've had it because it's been in there for a long time. That's yeah. the angle is that the freshness component has not been figured out yet. That's the part of it. Like John Fowler was the genius to what he said. Like they had to figure out how to, how to trim and, and really harvest the plant for optimal freshness. But though that information is not figured out yet across the board so that's where we're just on the learning curve that's all sure yeah but I'll, I'll say this i've gotten way more cannabis that has been in good shape in great shape than has been bad shape uh, it, it's it's the the rarity so we can't really throw the the baby out with the bathwater. but i agree we we have yeah. to find better solutions for packaging but i think they are like i think we have seen a lot of companies come down in size in their packaging not everybody and you know we are not going to convince everybody but it, it is something that has to be continually worked on. I totally agree with that. And if we can ever get to the point where 100% of the packaging is biodegradable, well, how much better would that be for everybody, right? Like, it's just, it's a working process. But I do feel it has gotten better in the in the couple of years we're in this. At the beginning, it was absolutely horrendous. Totally. Yeah, we've come a long way. That's exactly like I'm just saying we're crossing that bridge. We're not 100% perfect yet. But it's just something to point out. It's still a work in progress at all levels. Yeah, in, indeed. And and for, for some companies, uh, you know, more than others uh, when, when we're talking about that. But there are some companies that are doing just a dynamic job. And, and that's what we're talking about when it comes to change makers today. I set this one up for you, uh, Dean, exactly. So this is Empire Solutions Packaging Co. I'm actually 
uh, full disclosure, a partner in this company. So I was also, I took this photo. <laughs> so <laughs> I was in Edmonton, in South uh, Edmonton Common, where this was this was on the weekend when I called you to say I was going to be in the town. Um, so we came up to Edmonton because we are making sustainable circular, pa circular economy packaging solutions for the cannabis industry first, and then other industries after that. So Full disclosure, um, I have the solution in hand. And what it is, is we're clearly, we're making solutions for the packaging industry, not just that are biodegradable or compostable, but are made from the waste materials from the industry. So this is a circular economy. This is sort of the definition around this, um, is that you're essentially using waste products that are created in the industry and then using them to make something sustainable or usable as another product. So that's exactly what we're doing with the Hemp Buyer Solutions packaging. And we're currently uh, in our focus group stage. So where we went into the lab here in Innotech, uh, Alberta, we had to cut a few pieces of red tape along the way because that always needs to happen when you're dealing with the government. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, we use the government sources and labs to really create our formulation and got some really cool stuff out of it. Um, and basically inviting people to come and join our focus group sessions by at visiting us at hempiresolutions.ca. But really we believe that hemp is a material that can heal the world. And the more things that are made out of a hemp-based, recycled or sustainable circular economy, they all really mean the same thing in that we're not cutting down any trees or breaking anything. If anything, more hemp that's grown for any purpose is just gonna absorb more CO2 out of the air. And that's what we're trying to, to do is force the, the needle in terms of both sustainability, renewable um, products or recycled products and using hemp, which is an amazing source of carbon offsets um, in so many different ways. So that's what's going on with Hempire Solutions, our change maker of the week. That is beautiful. And uh, just th th those are kind of the solutions that we need. I mean, you just, you just look at the trickle down effect of hemp. You talked about some of the environmental uh, impacts on the positive side, but then the employment, farmers, uh, you know, growing hemp, uh, the, the, the growing yeah. cycle is short, so you can get in a lot of different crops and then the trickle down of jobs from there. So certainly uh, anything we can do more with hemp is great. And uh, I look forward and implore people to check that out as well. And uh, okay, uh, finally, when we're talking about packaging and what it means to be green, I've got uh, loads of these lying around yeah, my place for great? sure. They are awesome. This and our good answer. friends at uh, Plant Life have these. So tell us what you like about these. Yeah, so actually, and then seeing that they're doing this, it was actually a throwback. So I went to go visit our buddy Chris uh, Ionson over at the um, South Edmonton Common uh, Plant Life store, you know, introduced myself in person after talking through you to him over the most of the past year. Um, what I love, so these are their like zipper, uh, clo zipper close, smell proof bags. And essentially, um, it's a security feature. So the, the zipper on here, which I think I put up a picture, but maybe it didn't make it. But yeah, so there's like this little zipper piece here that literally like locks in place. And this is actually a really good solution. I had seen this originally uh, with Tilray. There you go. Yeah, so Tilray, back in the day, like 2016, when they were beginning out, uh, starting with the medical side, I had seen that they were using this this technology, essentially. It's, a, it's an application of a zipper that has a locking device. So it's very simple to open, but you need to have like two and a half hands. So even if you're if you have mobile dexterity it's not very hard to do you just have to sort of align the little closures and use your thumb um, and what it does is it essentially is its own security feature um, to keep stuff inside it's a smell proof bag it's made of this 
kind of a poly plastic thing, but sort of a sort of a, a more uh, rigid structure. What I really loved about it is that it's not impossible to open from a dexterity position for packaging, but my nine-year-old couldn't figure it out. So she loves mm -hmm. to show me how she can open all things that are meant, not meant for her to open. It's like a it's like a, a game for her. She takes any packaging that's supposed to be uh, you know impenetrable for children and opens it in three seconds, and I can't even open it. So that's what I mean. Is she couldn't figure this one out, which is good. Check there for security features. And it comes in different sizes and shades of green, which I thought was great. And like, I'd love to see a whole line of different colors for this or branding. Like, I think this is where the retailers can really shine is this is an accessory that they gave away. It's swag, you know, with your purchase, like product mm -hmm. with purchase, but you can also keep your stuff in it, store it safely. And like, this is how I think it should be done is that packaging from the, 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 original producer should not be in anything that's so complicated, but the retailer, essentially the last handoff of the product to the customer, that's where the security and the, the in, you know, the safety should be. And then branded in such a way, like plant life, it's like very memorable and it's very cool. So that's what I thought was super cool that of what's green about this. And honestly, I loved it. And it even fit the slash that I bought for my husband at the store. So he was very happy to get a gift inside of this. It makes a great uh, gift gift wrap. And it was super cool and nice to meet Chris with his uh, Plant Life Gator, that <laughs> neck thing that's also a, a face covering in the same shade of green. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's very cool. I'm, I'm really glad that uh, you were able to pick up uh one of those, the slash, because uh, I, I absolutely love mine. It's such a great way to get used to concentrates and 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 that thing without using a torch. And because using yeah. that torch is uh, not that fun. I have burn yeah. marks uh, from past use. But the cool thing about this packaging that that you you're right, they give it out a swag. Is when I give out prizes on my podcast, I'm always including these because. They're smell proof, as you mentioned. Yeah. They're they're child proof. Uh, you know, the zipper goes a little bit slower, and that's because it's smell proof. If yeah. that's you know, some people have wondered why does it go yeah. a little bit slower? Because it's smell proof, and the the uh, the teeth have to close that way. But I literally include one of these in almost every prize pack I give out. I I try to get them as many much as possible. You take them to a party when we can have parties. People, oh, where'd you get that? <laughs> oh, you get it with any bridge. It's free. It's a really great marketing tool for them. I totally agree. Genius. 100%. Yeah, like, I'd love to see this in a million shapes, colors and sizes. And, and, you know, people can brand them as they wish. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, indeed. Well, you know, they could do special colors like they, they did the special St. Patrick's Day color for this one, right? I think uh, we can we can go with that. Yeah, I have it right St. Pa Patrick's Day just happened. So uh, maybe, maybe that was their goal. I, I, I'm, I'm joking, of course, but everything is green. But, you know, maybe there'll be a Christmas one at some time or maybe a Valentine's Day and you can get those kind of Shades collector's of green. items. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, as always, Malka, for joining me. People can find you at www.greengencompany.com and they can find out how Melka can help you. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll chat next week. Thanks, Dean. Have a great week. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast. It's all part of the cannabis life experience. Turning the wheel of cannabis. One toke at a time. <sighs> All right, good stuff from uh, Malcolm LaBelle on the business of cannabis. And, yeah, I do enjoy uh, those uh, plant life uh, packages. And anybody who's won a prize package from me probably has one of those 
as well. I want to tell you about the Cannabis101podcast.ca. It's our website where you could do many different things. You can listen and uh, connect and watch past episodes. You can sign up for the Weed Weekly. You just click the uh, subscribe button up there. Uh, we have contests and all other things. And we have a Patreon account as well. If you'd like to support us at the Cannabis 101 Podcast, we would be very, very appreciative. Uh, the regulations are really strict on cannabis companies when it comes to advertising, so it's tough to make money in the cannabis space that way, but at least a lot of these places can sell something. I don't really have anything to sell except me, my knowledge, my passion. So if you are inclined and you do enjoy the show and you can help us out, that would be great. Certainly don't have to, and I know times are extremely, extremely tough right now. You also might want to get your hands on the Slash from Stonesmiths. It is amazing. Four seconds to heat up and fire away. It's got three temperature settings, and the cool thing is this design is so amazing. They have something else coming out. I don't know if it's going to be a vape, flower, desktop. I'm not sure if it's similar, but they've got something at Stonesmiths that they're working on. Look for it this April, and you can find out more information about this wonderful company that is right here in Edmonton at stonesmiths.ca. Very, very cool stuff. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel Ojeks, the hobbit's leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. So if you've listened to the show before, you know how we do Weed Word of the Day. We give you one slang and one standard term. Uh, so particularly uh, if uh, you're new to cannabis or just new to some of the terminology, like I was uh, a couple of years ago when we started this show or a year and a bit ago now. Um, so anyway, that's what we try to do. The slang word today is spliff. Uh, I used to say this about a nicely rolled joint or kind of any joint. You want to go smoke a spliff? I had no idea what it really meant uh, until, you know, a little while ago when I was, uh, you know, probably a couple of years back and somebody said, do you know what a spliff is? And it's especially um, used in, in Europe. It's a joint with tobacco and weed mixed together. I don't know why you'd want to do this unless you're a smoker, but it's very popular. I, it, you know, I guess the, the one reason that comes to mind is uh, for people that do smoke tobacco, it prolongs their weed. Uh, but if you don't smoke cigarettes, this would taste awful. I've been at parties where I've been handed one of these, and I was like, yeah, this is like probably the first time and the only time I'm going to turn down this joint because I don't want to. I quit smoking uh, cigarettes all, you know, many, many years ago, 14 years ago. I don't want to start up again in a joint. So spliff is the slang term I'm going with. The standard term I'm going with is green out, and that's when you have way too much weed. Uh, you took too much, too much, too much, like they said in uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And then you have a terrible time. Uh, sometimes you don't remember things. Uh, you, you, may, you, know, you feel maybe hungover, like uh, in comparison. It's usually with people new to cannabis as they don't know their limits, but experienced users can also uh, go through this uh, as well. So if you're, if you're using cannabis and then you're just not feeling right, some people have said blurred vision and different things. 
you know, it might be time to just dial it back a little bit, take a little bit of a break or things like that. You know, the good thing about taking a break, I love tolerance breaks. I don't always like them during, like it during them, uh, but I like the, uh, the result because that, you know, the reaction to cannabis, the, uh, the goodness that you get just feels so much better. And I oftentimes will vape or, uh, or smoke uh, CBD uh, during that. So I can still get the benefits of uh, the plant. I'm just taking a break from uh, the THC uh, part of the plant. So spliff and green out is uh, what I'm going with today for weed words of the day. The cannabis life experience. It's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. Turning the wheel of cannabis one toke at a time. All right, that is just going to just about wrap things up for us here on the show. If you're watching, thank you so much. If you're listening and you want to check us out on our YouTube channel, it's the Cannabis 101 Podcast. We also stream it on social media. You can find us on uh, Twitter, the Cannabis 101. We're on Instagram and Facebook, the Cannabis 101 Podcast. And you can email us as well, and you can stay anonymous and um, have a... Uh, uh, a chance at winning a prize still, email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com and check out Cannabis101podcast.ca. There it is up on your screen right there. Uh, for past episodes, contests, uh, that uh, big green circle there allows you to subscribe to the Weed Weekly. And if you're in the mix, you get it every Friday or in your inbox, and we do spin the wheel of names most Fridays and give away a prize. But it's only for subscribers, and plus it's an easy way to keep up to date with the Cannabis 101 podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, if you can, or you're so inclined, we do have a Patreon account. You can get to that through our website as well, and you can help support, which is hopefully one of your uh, favorite shows out there in the cannabis space. All right, want to tell you about one more time, uh, check out Stonesmiths. Stonesmiths.ca is where you can find the slash and the very, very cool new accessory that they do have coming out in the next little while. All right, that is going to wrap things up for us on another edition. If you would like to become a partner of us, email me at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com, and you can join the show and have a lot of fun with us as well. Hour number two comes out uh, Wednesday morning. We're going to be featuring the band Sea of Cars out of Chicago. Uh, Charles is uh, one of the members that we're going to talk to in our feature interview. Chris Ionson, regional manager of Plant Life Canada, Plant Life Cannabis will be by uh, Queen of Bud is what we're doing. Uh, the Blue Topaz, uh, looking forward to that. I, I had you know just recently learned that Queen of Bud was making their own weed. They were originally just a, a retail store in Calgary. So really excited to uh, bring that story to you. And you could find past episodes as mentioned at cannabis101podcast.ca. And if you're into other kind of podcasts, you can check out Podcast Alley. Ca, where I have a bunch of my other shows as well. As always, we leave you with the marijuana song from the artist, My Dad Dog. And remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. Have a good day, everybody. We'll chat with you again on Wednesday morning.